Let's get started. Have you ever been misunderstood? Someone didn't understand you. Someone didn't believe you. Someone didn't believe in you. They weren't real sure about your motives. Weren't real sure about your decisions. Weren't real sure about your purpose. Maybe they branded you. Maybe they labeled you because of who you are. Maybe they branded you because of what you believe in. Maybe they labeled you because of who you believe in. You ever been misunderstood? Misjudged because of who you are? Misjudged because of the color of your skin? Misjudged because of something you've done? Misjudged because maybe where you're from? Misjudged maybe because of where you went to school? You ever been misunderstood? People form opinions of you even though they've never experienced what you've experienced. They've never walked in your shoes. They've never seen through your eyes. Ever been misunderstood? Maybe by a spouse. Maybe by a parent. Maybe by a boss. Maybe growing up. Maybe in school. Maybe in middle school. Maybe in high school. Ever been misunderstood? People assume they know you. People assume they know your heart. People assume they know your motives. Have you ever been misunderstood? Judged? Looked down upon? Questioned? Doubted? Examined? Investigated? Labeled? We're in a series we're calling Seeing Jesus Through the Eyes Of, and we've been trying to see Jesus through the eyes of those in the first century, those who witnessed the first Christmas scene, those who were there at what we call the Christmas story. You know, when you read through the Gospels, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're seeing Jesus, we're seeing Jesus through the eyes of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, and they each see Jesus through a different lens. They see Jesus through a different set of eyes. They see Jesus through a different cultural background. So here's where we've been in lesson one. We were trying to see Jesus through the eyes of God. And in lesson two, seeing Jesus through the eyes of the wise men. Lesson three, seeing Jesus through the eyes of the shepherds. And today, I want us to try to see Jesus through the eyes of Mary and Joseph. Can you try to see Jesus? Can you try to imagine how much they were probably misunderstood? Let's read. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. So let's start with Mary. Mary's a teenage girl, pledged to be married, engaged to be married, promised to be married. You know, in Bible times, the parents usually made that decision. In Bible times, families arranged the union between a young man and a young woman. There was nothing unusual about being engaged, nothing unusual about being pledged, about being promised to be married. Young girls in Nazareth thought about that, just like young girls today thinking about getting married. And Mary's thinking about getting married, and she's engaged to this guy named Joseph. No doubt she loved God. No doubt she feared God. No doubt she knew that her people were the covenant people, and the covenant people knew that the Messiah was coming. Here we have a teenage girl engaged to be married. She's been selected 
picked, chosen to be the wife of a good and decent man. Joseph was a carpenter, a respected carpenter, but we'll come back to him. And because of who she was and because of what she believed and because of who her people were, she had certain beliefs about marriage, just like many people do today. We have all kinds of beliefs and expectations about marriage, and no doubt it was important for her to preserve her virginity and her reputation. Here's what we read in Luke 1. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So we've got Mary. She's a teenage girl, a believer in God. She's of the people of God and pledged to be married, sitting in her home. And an angel of the Lord appears to her. Wow. Try to explain that to your friends. Imagine trying to explain that to your parents. I mean, it's not unusual for people to say, you know, the Lord spoke to me, the Lord gave me a message, the Lord communicated with me, the, the Lord spoke to me in a dream, the Lord answered my prayers, but to tell your friends, an angel of the Lord appeared to me. Sure. Sure, that's what happened, Mary. If that's what you want to believe, if, if that's what, you know, what, don't know what you were drinking, but sure, if you want to say an angel appeared to you, imagine how she would be misunderstood. But there's more. This wasn't just a casual visit. The angel went to Mary and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Interesting. You who are highly favored, you have found favor from the Greek word charis. You have found charis. You have found grace. The Lord has bestowed favor and grace upon you. Mary is highly favored. Mary has found favor with God. Imagine how that might be misunderstood. I mean, why, why are you favored? Why do you think you're favored? Why are you favored and I'm not favored? Why is the Lord bestowing favor on you and not me? We keep reading. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered, what kind of greeting might this be? I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine just sitting in your home on, a, on an average regular day and receiving such a visit? Can you, can you imagine being in your home and you just, you just sense someone is in your home? Something is going on. Someone is there and you don't know who it is and you don't recognize and all of a sudden an angel of the Lord appears? Imagine how that might be misunderstood. I mean, is this really an angel? Is, is this really happening? And what's the purpose behind this visit? I mean, how, how strange, how terrifying, how unsettling. We keep reading, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You've found favor with God. You'll be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. There's so much in those two verses. The angel repeats, You found favor. So, Two times now she's been told, God has bestowed favor. God has bestowed grace on you. And next, notice the angel calls her by name. The angel knows her, her name. God knows her name. I mean, it's one thing to tell people an angel comes to see you, but it's another to say, and the angel knew my name. And it's still yet another to say that the angel says, again, you found favor. And it's interesting to me, it's, it's a woman who receives a visit from God. We've studied the role of women, and we've seen the role of women through the Old Testament and the New Testament, but it is a bit unusual at this time in the first century for a woman to receive 
a visit from God. And next, how about the unsettling news? You're going to be with child. She's not married. She's a virgin. Maybe she's thinking, well, this is just a promise. Joseph and I are going to have a baby. Joseph and I are, are going to have a child. But you're going to give birth to a son, and the angel's already named your boy. It's going to be a boy, and his name's going to be Jesus. And that's not that unusual. A lot of boys were named Jesus in the first century, so that was a common name. But it's not just a boy, and it's not going to be your child. He's going to be the Son of the Most High. Wow. Now try to understand. If you're a teenage girl, and you got a visit from an angel, and you're engaged to be married, and you believe in God... And as a teenager, you even understand that the Messiah is coming, but would you be able to grasp this news without being misunderstood? I mean, you're going to have a baby, and he's going to be a boy, and we've picked out his name, and his name's going to be Jesus, and he's going to be the Son of the Most High, and we're going to give him the throne of David. What? If she wasn't already uneasy about the visit by an angel... If she wasn't uneasy about the news of a baby, if she wasn't uneasy about the name already being picked out, now for sure she has to be uneasy trying to grasp the fact that you're giving birth to the Son of God. You have to admit it's a little hard to comprehend. It's hard for us to comprehend, let alone Mary. Mary had to be thinking, you know, this just doesn't make sense. I mean, if someone's going to give birth to the Son of God, if someone's going to give birth to the Messiah, it's got to be someone else, not me. I mean, maybe a, a, a little bit of an older woman, a wiser woman, someone who's more mature, maybe with a little more faith, maybe someone else. Man, I wonder what she's thinking. I mean, is she thinking about leaving home? Is she thinking about leaving Joseph? Is she thinking about running away? We keep reading... Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And in Luke, Mary asked the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, just stop for a moment and try to take this in and try to, try to see through her eyes and try to be in her shoes. Try to tell your friends, I've been chosen by God. Try to tell your friends that not just chosen, I, I've been chosen to be the mother of the Messiah. I've been chosen to nurture the Son of God. I've been chosen to raise and take care of the Son of God. And, and then the angel says, for nothing's impossible with God. I mean, what's covered by nothing is impossible? Mary's probably thinking, well, it's, it's kind of impossible to, for me to be with child. It's impossible as a virgin to be with child. It's impossible for God to make this happen. It's impossible to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to be the mother of the Son of God. It's impossible. It's going to be impossible for me to explain this to my friends. It's really going to be impossible for me to explain this to my parents. And for sure it's going to be impossible to explain this to Joseph can you imagine her telling Joseph, I I'm pregnant. When she knows, he knows. 
they know it's not his. And it's almost, it's almost blasphemy to claim, I'm going to be the mother of the Son of God. How dare she make such a claim? Wow, no doubt she'll be misunderstood. I mean, what would Joseph think about this visit from an angel? What would Joseph think about the news of the birth? I mean, what would Joseph think if the child was, was not to be fathered by him? I mean, what's he going to think of this pregnancy? And how's he going to react? How would you have reacted? If you were her parents, how would you have reacted? No doubt she's seized with fear. Seized with fear, not knowing how Joseph's going to respond. Seized with fear, not knowing how her parents are going to respond. Some are going to think, you, you have disgraced your family. Some will think, you have disgraced the family of Joseph. Here's how Mary responds. Mary answered, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. I mean, she didn't have to respond that way. She could have said, uh, nope. No, I'm not doing this. I mean, we tell God no all the time. Right? That's not unusual to say, nope, God, I believe in the Messiah, but nope, not me. I mean, Moses told God no. God came to Moses and said, I want you. And Moses said, find someone else. It, it would have been easy for her to say, find someone else. Find another young lady. And yet this frightened teenager becomes the mother of Jesus. And in my human nature, I can't help but think, because of what I've seen through the years and because of how I know some will respond, sadly, I think, you reckon they'll throw her a baby shower? Because I've seen through the years that we don't throw baby showers to babies out of wedlock. So imagine how she would be misunderstood. Imagine the whispering and the gossip and the glances. Imagine how church folk will respond. Mary will continue her journey mostly alone, misunderstood and judged and labeled mostly alone. No doubt Joseph will be there, but there's no mention of her family being there, no mention of a midwife. And Mary would give birth to a son that Joseph didn't father, and she'd give birth to a son that was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She's going to give birth to Jesus. She's going to give birth to the Messiah. She's going to give birth to the Son of God in a manger, in a stable, and the time came for the baby to be born, and Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And then there's Joseph. Joseph the carpenter. Joseph, a hard-working tradesman, no doubt respected in the community, no doubt a believer in God, no doubt good enough for the family of Mary to say, yeah, you can marry our Mary. A descendant of David. Whoa! A descendant of David. One of the greatest characters of the Old Testament. One of the greatest characters in all the Bible. David defeated Goliath. David was such a great king. A descendant of David. Absolutely you can take our daughter in marriage. Imagine the millions of questions in Joseph's mind. 
Imagine what his friends might be thinking or asking. Does, does he stay with Mary? Does he break off the engagement? Is he worried about his reputation? Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, and because he did not want to expose Mary to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So he was thinking about it. It crossed his mind. He was thinking about breaking the relationship. He was thinking about how to respond. And whether he stays or whether he leaves, no doubt he's going to be misunderstood. But Scripture said he's a righteous man, and righteous people make right decisions, I believe. No doubt he loved Mary. I mean, could her story be true? Did she really receive a visit from an angel? Did she really receive a visit from God? And before he can even make a decision about the future, an angel appears to him. After Joseph had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph made the decision to stay with Mary. He made the decision to be obedient to God. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Why? Because righteous people make right decisions, even when they might be misunderstood. So I want you to see... Jesus through the eyes of Mary, and I'm wanting you to see Jesus through the eyes of Joseph. I want you to put yourself in their shoes. I want you to feel the emotions they must have felt and feel the rejection that they had to go through and feel the shame they had to go through just to do what God asked them to do. I want you to see what it must be like to do what God asks you to do even when you know you're going to be misunderstood. Jesus knew all about being misunderstood. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, in Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. He was in the world, no, the world was made through Him. The world didn't recognize Him. He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. They rejected Him. They didn't even notice Him. They didn't want Him. They didn't understand Him. They misunderstood Him. We read in Isaiah, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to Him. Nothing in His appearance that we should desire Him. He was despised and rejected by men. Like one from whom men hide their faces, He was despised and we esteemed Him not. Jesus knew before He came that he would be rejected and despised and questioned and judged and labeled and misunderstood, and, and he came anyway. But that's what obedience is all about. You do what God asks you to do even when you know you're going to be misunderstood. Mary's life was changed because she did what God asked her to do, even though she knew she would be misunderstood. And Joseph's life was changed because he did what God asked him to do, even when he knew he would be misunderstood. And our lives are forever changed because when we do what God asks us to do, even when we know we're going to be misunderstood. But here's what I want you to understand about the Christmas story today. I don't want you to misunderstand. For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. 
that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I don't want you to misunderstand. Jesus did not come into this world to condemn you. Jesus did not come into this world to send us to hell. A lot of people misunderstand why Jesus came. A lot of people misunderstand Jesus. He's not for me. He's not on my side. He can't wait for me to mess up. He just wants to send me to hell. That's not what this verse says, and that's not why Jesus came. Jesus came because He loves us. Jesus came because He wants to save us. And that is the joy of Christmas. Let's sing.